think that's enough so we're live hey hey everyone hey gerald how are you i'm great thanks Giorgio, for having me and shout out to all the simply cyber raiders out there i see the squad members coming in full effect that's awesome yeah that's really awesome uh, uh, thank you so much for to you and of course to all the people that are are joining here um well i think i think everything is okay cool so i i you know i, I this is the 21st episode and still I'm not used to this. I'm not used to, to start with the, um, with the conversation, but you know, again, um, hi everyone. Uh, if this, and probably it is the first time you're watching this, uh, you're watching the, uh, security break podcast. This is just a little project I started this year. Um, I'm Giorgio, uh, by the way. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a little project where I invite cool people like, like Gerald, uh, today. And then we just have a chat about, you know, some uh, uh, latest stories um, uh, relating the, the security realm, right? Um, the, the goal is to, you know, uh, have a, a nice chat, have some fun, uh, maybe learn something in the process, because I, I personally, you know, learn uh, a lot in the process. Uh, and I think, you know, all of you watching this and, uh, you know, participating in the conversation can, uh, can learn a lot and teach me something because, you know, commenting and, you know, please, Use the chat, um, uh, post questions, post any comments, and I'll uh, I'll read that aloud so uh, we can have a chat together. And as I said, Gerald is to, to you know it's with me today. Uh, thank you so much once again. Uh, and uh, of course, everyone is going to to know you. Uh, but would you mind just have a really really brief you know uh, introduction of yourself? Yeah, of course. And uh, thank you for having me on your program. And thanks everybody uh, to, in chat who's uh, here live with us or watching on replay. Uh, it's definitely a cool, cool time, cool experience to be on the other side as a guest. Uh, my name is Gerald Lozier. I've been a practitioner for like 20 years. 
I'm super passionate about cybersecurity, but my my forte, my chef's kiss is uh, in the GRC space. I am on a mission, Giorgio, if you didn't know this, to make GRC at least socially acceptable. I'll, you know, I'll leave it to the next generation to make it cool. But uh, that's what I'm up to. And I run the Simply Cyber uh, community, which is a YouTube channel. Um, but it's so much more than that. It's a community, it's resources, it's support, it's courses, it's education. Uh, if I had to really put uh, you know, a description to it, it is a platform that enables people who are interested and have the initiative and the desire to take a cybersecurity career as far as they want. And uh, we're doing that pretty much all the time over there because uh, there's no shortage of people who are awesome and want to uh, experience the good times that is cybersecurity. Yeah, that that's so cool. Um, you know, uh, well, thank you again. And uh, I really, I'm really excited because you know you're you already have something that you know uh, it's uh, uh, I will say in some aspects similar to, to this format itself. And uh, I really like the fact that uh, your say speciality is GRC. I will mm -hmm. say uh, I will say in this in this format that I really like to talk with people with a different background than mine. I, I'm more like a, a technical person. I, I work in a detection and response, mm -hmm. uh, but I really feel like uh, you know the 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 value is so much higher if I have conversation with people that are doing something different that definitely know uh, something that I don't know that they have a different background and can, you know, contribute with the, their own knowledge. So that's, I think that's really perfect. And, uh, you know, I, I, also, I also share, you know, your, your uh, let's say, um, mission there, because I think GRC is actually so important, even, even you know, it's, even if it's not, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my pillar there. Uh, but I see, I see the value. I see, you know, how important it is. I see how many people are actually uh, also, you know, uh, in demand. Uh, in the industry in general, so uh, you know, uh, that's I, I really support the, the the mission right there. So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, of course, I appreciate that. It's all you know, all the different kind of capabilities within an information security office interfold with each other and complement. You know, you you said you're in detection and response. You know, super important, super valuable. But you know, you might argue that it's the GRC people who got the funding for the position to put you in place to do those detections and engineering. You know what I mean? And it's it's the GRC people that are hopefully, you know, educating the end users so they're doing less dumb stuff so you can focus on the more sophisticated detections instead of, you know, <laughs> how many times have you run down a somebody clicking on, you know, a silly link or downloading something stupid? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. Um, cool. So uh, I, I will just, you know, talk a lot, just uh, asking you um, random questions, but uh, I have a format, so I should, um, you know, um, keep going with uh, with uh, what we planned. So if you don't know, uh, we just collected a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, uh, security news from, uh, um, from the last week. I'm going to share my screen, show you those articles and actually introduce them. And uh, we will have a chat. On uh, on what's you know uh, included in those articles. So, uh, where is my screen? Should be this one. Can you see right. my screen? I think you yeah yeah you you see it. That's cool. So, uh, let's do it. This is the first article. Um, this is something that uh, I don't know. I would say unfortunately keeps coming in the news. You know, 
uh, AI is the, the next big thing. Everyone is talking about it. And uh, we actually had, uh, um, you know, similar topics in previous episodes. By the way, if you don't know, of course, you are on, you are looking at this on, uh, on YouTube. Uh, there are all of the previous episodes that you can find in there uh, with a lot of other cool people that I uh, uh, invited as guests. So feel free to have a look at that uh, if, uh, if you like. Uh, we had a um, um, slightly similar discussion about something that happened last week uh, with the, the new GPTs from uh, from ChatGPT. But here today, I have actually no other news. So um, I thought this was pretty interesting. Basically, there was a um, uh, research, I uh, think, from uh, both a university and a company that I will find out um which are but anyway the point is that they were investigating how you know um putting together two different um uh, chatbots so two different llms uh, um, larger language models and basically using one of those two uh to be to to try to create a prompt so to to create uh the input for the second uh chatbot in order to uh, you know, um, jailbreak them. So basically, try to um, uh, make that second chat or you know chatbot uh, to uh, to give out information that they are not designed to to actually give out, or actually they are uh, limited on purpose by their uh, their uh, developers. Something like you know um, how to create any kind of weapon or how to. Uh, exploit some uh, some vulnerabilities or you know how to write a phishing email or something anything that you know it's technically generally considered bad and uh, the developers had limited uh, the um, the AI engine to to actually uh, respond to any kind of questions like that uh, they they found a way to you know create a prompt so create uh, questions in plain language that um, uh, you know, uh, as, a, as a workaround, uh, find a way to, to actually obtain those kind of informations. It's cool the way we're using AI to breach AI. And uh, I mean, it's, it's not something new, I will say. We always use new tools to, uh, you know, exploit new tools. It's not about AI itself, itself, I believe. It's always like that. But it makes me really you know, uh, elaborate on uh, how much we are relying on those kind of technologies right now, right? Even exploiting the technology itself uses the same kind of technology, right? Uh, I don't know, there, there's already a lot. So I will stop here for a second and, and just ask, uh, what are your thoughts about this? Just, just the first thoughts that you have on this. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, nowadays, like literally AI takes the oxygen out of every you know, every conversation, you know, no matter what we're talking about, AI will find its way in and then just soak it all up, which, which is for good reason, Giorgio. I'm, I'm really firmly in the camp. Well, I don't even know if it's a camp, like I'm there, maybe there's no other tense, but I'm there. Um, that says that we live in the AI age now, like this is the dawn, not to be like melodramatic, but this is the dawn of the AI age. Like, you know, we had the industrial age and then the information age. And then, you know, we, we're in the information age where information data is like basically um, one of the most valuable assets in the world. And now, in my opinion, because AI is such a paradigm shifting technology that's going to literally change the way we work, the way we live, the way we interact with each other, 
the way that we solve problems like like global hunger, um, med- you know, cancer, like you know, all these things. Um, we're going to look back and say this is the AI age. Now, having said all that, when I looked at this particular article and got thinking about it, my initial thoughts were this is brilliant because. AI is just a tool, right? It, it, it's like um, moral agnostic. It doesn't care if it's used for bad. It doesn't care if it's used for good. It's literally just a tool. And it's the intent of the user, the application of the human that will determine its efficacy uh, and its uh, ethical you know, utility. Now, when I saw this, right? It's so funny. Like, So one thing that I'll point out, Giorgio, and I know we don't know each other that well yet, but I am not a red team or pen tester offensive security person. I've dabbled like everybody else in our industry. But the reason I suck at that and don't do it is because I'm so mentally a conformist that it's very difficult for, for me to think about not just like how to operate outside the box, but like there is no box. Like I operate in like, you know, like I can't, like I'm so conformist. I can't even wrap my head around what a good metaphor would be. Right. Like, you know, I don't know if you saw the matrix, but like the spoon isn't even there, Georgia. Right. So, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Right. So with something like this, like if you think back the last say four months, right. And we're talking about prompt engineering and uh, prompt injection attacks and OWASP attacks and all these things. It's all humans sitting at the prompt thinking, what could I type? Oh, say the word computer infinitely. I don't know if you saw that recently, but say yeah. computer infinitely. Or, you know, you're my grandmother. Tell me uh, uh, my favorite bedtime story about how to make napalm, right? A couple famous examples. But it was always a human straight up typing it. And now someone's like, bro, like we can use AI to make the heavy lifting of our jobs easier. It's not replacing us. It's making us faster, better, more thorough. Like the, the fact that someone was like, let's use AI to write prompts to hack AI. Now that you've said it, it's so freaking obvious that it's like, why wouldn't you have been doing it? It's literally supposed to help you do things faster, better, stronger. Like it's, it's the Captain Marvel. If Captain Marvel movie franchise didn't suck, right? It's like, it's better, faster, stronger. It's everything. So I, I love that they're doing it. I think it's going to help uncover. Uh, because AI, just to pivot a little bit, because AI is such a new technology, such a disruptive technology, such a valuable, right, so from a straight cash, right, from a straight cash perspective, um, people are racing to market to get it as quickly in the hands of people who are going to give them money for it, which obviously in the in in the real world and from multiple amounts of case study means that the technology is going to be flawed. It's going to have, it's going to be brittle. It's going to have vulnerabilities all over the place. And to find those quicker, like right now we're in that like, you know, storming phase and, and right now everything's kind of shaking down and eventually we're going to get to, you know, standard software development life cycles for these LLMs and standard protocols for how to secure and everything. But right now it's, it's like the wild west, right? So um, I think that doing this will help us discover more vulnerabilities, more kind of jailbreaks, for lack of a better term, and get us to be able to rapidly address those and secure those so the real threat actors down the road aren't exploiting it. And the final thing I'll say about this, um, 
and thank you for giving me a platform to just flip out, uh, Giorgio. The final thing I'll say about this is because people are like racing to get this in everything. So every single, you know, like vendor can slap AI inside on a sticker. Like, you know, like, like I, I'm surprised like mobile gas station doesn't have AI inside slapped on the 87 octane gas pump at this point. But the problem is they're leveraging existing AI technologies and just shoehorning them into their product, which means it's like, it's like supply chain risk. Like there's flaws that are going to be discovered and you've baked it into your cake, dude, and you can't unbake it. It's, it's, it is changed shape. So, um, I, I love that they're doing this. I, I love the research that's going around it. Every time something pops, it makes big, big news. So there's a lot of researchers out there who are getting viral success, which I'm a huge fan of security research. I think those people are some of the smartest people out there and deserve recognition. Uh, so yeah, those are just some of my initial thoughts. Well, th th that's already a lot. And um, uh, I was trying to, to, to you know, uh, um, you know, collect all the, the inputs that uh, you're, you were giving me. And uh, one in particular, I think it's very impor important. It's the fact that, you know, from now on and potentially, you know, uh, um, you know, already tomorrow, we will have so many other things that are powered by AI, right? AI is going to be potentially, you know, uh, the new front end to any kind of application, mm -hmm. right? We, we were actually talking about this with, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the previous guest in the previous episode, the fact that, it's basically, if you want the new website, you can get, you know, the backend, which is, you know, your, your internal database with all of your data and just put on front of that uh, uh, a chatbot like ChatGPT or, or something like that. And basically the way, you know, the user interface, the way you interact with that database, the way you ask, you know, give me those informations, you know, we are used to use Google or whatever search engine to, to search for something. We are used to writing that search bar Tomorrow we will probably just talk with uh, some kind of chatbot to mm -hmm. ask those informations. But that means also that if there is any, uh, you know, any problem, any issues, any vulnerability with those specific AIs, with those specific frontend, you know, eventually they will get, you know, the, the the malicious actor in that case will get their hands on the same data that you know was was contained in the, the normal databases today. But tomorrow they will be provided by AI as well. And that's how and why this becomes very, very, very important. You know, the, the security research, uh, you know, looking for prompt engineering or just prompt injection. That's the point. Today, maybe it's not that much, you know, there's no much impact, you know, uh, uh, in practical sense. But tomorrow, if we will have the new Google that is provided by an AI and there's a prompt injection or a prompt engineering vulnerability on that chatbot, then we, we could ask that you know new Google something that it should not provide. Maybe give me just all the data that you have in that database. And yeah. that's the, the Google database, come on. That, that's a little too much, maybe. Uh, so that's how uh, it's, it's so important. And uh, I see some people commenting in there, you know, uh, that's, I didn't think about using AI to, to prompt another AI or something uh, like that. That's the new the new reality, right? We have AI to do, uh, you know, legit stuff, and of course, people and malicious actors are going to use this and are using this for malicious purposes as well. It's just a tool. You can take a hammer and use it, you know, for just uh, 
you know, whatever you do with a hammer, or you can break a, a guy head with the, with it. It's not about the tool itself. It's not the hammer is malicious, but it's, you know, it gives you power and you decide how to use that power. So it's actually something that we, we should uh, expect with every new technology. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, it, it's just, it's funny because it's almost like, um, it's not exactly like recursion, but it's like recursion or inception. It's like, you know, you're so focused on how to break this interface that you've walked up onto that you didn't take a minute to think like, I can use this interface to tell me how to better hack this interface, right? It, it's just such a powerful tool. And again, I think people are really just beginning to, wrap their head around how powerful it can be. And, and to your point about Google and the interface and everything like that, like right before we got on, uh, I'm a huge fan of like journaling and like writing down my thoughts. And like, if I, if I read a book, like taking notes and then again, this is like, I, I don't really talk about this with the simply cyber community much, but like one of the things I do is like, I'll read something, I'll take notes. And then like a week later, like I'll intentionally wait a week or two or whatever and then I'll sit down for 30 minutes and read my notes because I'll remember it differently. It'll register differently. And um, literally I was looking at my notes and I, I want to start like, this is a little detailed, but like, I want to start a, a new challenge uh, for my community. And I've been thinking about different ideas and whatever. And in my notes, I wrote Google um, community challenge concepts. And as I read it, I'm like, why would I Google it? Like, that's, I should chat GPT that like, why, why should I Google it and then look through results and then piece through it and waste my time when I can just ask chat GPT or Gemini Bard, we'll find out, um, to, to tell me like their ideas and those suggestions. And then, you know, basically, uh, leverage that AI. It, it's so powerful. Um, the one good thing I will say is that I've noticed, um, well, so a couple of things. One, like, yes, people are putting data in there and there's interfaces, but like right now, I feel like it's so nascent and it's deployment. Like, again, people are slapping AI inside all over the place, but like being able to really exploit it the way that like AWS uh, infrastructure can get exploited now for like leaked S3 buckets and stuff like that. Like, we're not, it's not that. Um, it's not that widespread. It's not that fully ubiquitous yet where if something were to come out, it could be like, you're like, oh, Jesus, what are we doing about that? It's not there yet. Uh, but I feel like we've got a window of time. Like it's coming. It's going to be ubiquitous. And we've got a window of time as as security researchers, as defenders, as quote unquote, the good guys um, to get as much done as we can, get as much fog of war cleared as we can. Uh, because the storm's coming and we can either, you know, get supplies, batten down the hatches, buy a rain slicker, put it on and get ready for the storm. Or we can just sit around talking about how awesome we are and then get soaked when the storm rolls through. Yeah, that, that's that's actually so true. Like it's uh, maybe we're not there yet, but eventually I, I strongly like uh, I'm usually uh not after every new technology you know uh blockchain and uh, uh whatever i i always you know wait a bit and try to understand a little better and try to understand okay is this going to you know to be the next big thing for real or is it just you know something that maybe it could be interesting but it's not just the the right time for it maybe right um 
and uh, uh, this time, I, I think AI has uh, so so many so many different applications that uh, you know we we will have uh, if if we're not already there, we will definitely have a, like a revolution or something uh, about you know all the, the all the technology we are already used to. Basically, you know, Google is is implementing the, their all, all of their new smartphones with the, their uh, uh, their their chatbots and their AI engines, and we have a lot of new features just because of that. So definitely, <laughs> this seems a very very uh, you know big revolution. And I just saw um, um, you know uh, a comment in there, um, or actually a question that I, I thought it's it's actually very important, like. Right now, already so many people are using uh, this kind of technologies for their daily job, for their daily work, right? Uh, to, to, to code, I see some other people that uh, are using maybe uh, Microsoft Copilot to code, or it, it is actually uh, uh, helpful actually to, to, to help you with the incident response, which could be interesting for me, for, for example. But just to write something, just to write a, a, you know, a blog or... Uh, create a presentation or something, there are so many people already using it. But at the same time, there are some, uh, you know, um, consequences or just uh, threats in the blind usage of those tools for your daily work, especially if, you, if your company is not providing it. You're just using a third-party application for something uh, that you do for work for your company and maybe uh, using data that are um, your, you know, uh, your companies, right? So maybe you just copy and paste some internal data, put that in the, in the chatbot, and uh, um, so it can give you the the output in a in a different format. But you don't know that that uh, the tool is actually processing the data, is sharing the data, it's maybe um, you know re-elaborating it for other answers to other people. Like this is this evenly depends on what tool you are you using, what version of the tool you're using. There are so many out there. So maybe ChatGPT right, right now it could be a little different. There's Bard, there's whatever. So th the point is that we should just be so much aware. And this is true for this technology. This will be true for any other technology out there, right? This is definitely a, a, a big challenge that I see uh, at the same level of uh, you know social media that you know social media have been in the last uh, I don't know decade. Uh, did you think? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I think um, it's so useful for so many different use cases and individuals um, that, you know, it, it, it's, it seems very private, right? Like you can pull up a chat GPT instance right now in incognito mode if you want, right? I, I, you do have to log into it, but you could have a burner account. But it feels very personal, very private. Like you've got your own instance. You're not going to like you know, the market and like shouting at somebody on stage to give you an answer. It's very private. So that to me introduces a vibe to the user of like, oh, this is personal. This is no one's here. It's just me. But um, to Chris's point, Chris Young's question, you know, people who are using it, you have to be mindful that like literally Information, as I said earlier, is the most valuable asset in our world right now, right? Like data is power. And if you look at the, you know, the technical um, gilded, you know, age people, the Zucks, the uh, Bezos, yeah, the, some of them have product, but the, the reason they're filthy rich is because they have data. So 
by you'd be ignorant to think that you're using a tool for free or for 10, I pay like 10 bucks, 20 bucks. I don't even know for chat GPT a month. Like the amount of value I get out of it is, is not even ridiculously close to $20. It's significantly higher. So you have to be like real that obviously all the data you're putting in is getting consumed and leveraged by them for some business value, right? Obviously to refine and make the product better. So you should have no no expectations of data security or data um, uh, sensitivity data being, you know, not compromised and stuff. So, and that's just, that's like the legal use of the business of the data. I'm not even talking about hackers and data breaches and data leaks and exactly. right. So what I would say to, 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 you know, circle back and actually answer Chris Young's question is if I was educating end users, I would say, listen, anything you put into chat GPT, assume it's on the front page of the newspaper. That That's it, right? So if, if there's something personal, like, oh, I've got this rash in this weird spot, what do I do? Would you want that on the front page of the paper? Oh, here's Q4 financial forecasting numbers. Do you want that on the paper? Like that's all. And and like, that's all you need to understand. The, the other thing I would say, and this is actually quite stunning to me, uh, and Giorgio, I don't know what it's like in Italy, but I have done some like anecdotal research uh, right now in the United States, there's a lot of like holiday parties and, you know, you know, conferences and like whatever. And I'm socializing with non-cybersecurity people. I'm socializing with non-technical people, right? So I'm talking to like an insurance salesman. I'm talking to a registered nurse. <clears throat> I'm talking to a teacher, right? Et cetera, a chef. And I asked them, what do you guys think about all this AI? Oh my God. It's like so crazy, right? And they're like, literally, they're like, what are you talking about? Not not like, oh, I heard about that or, oh, like we're using it this way at work. Like they don't even know about it. So um, if you're going to be educating your workforce or your family or your end users or whoever, I, I almost think that you need some kind of like ice bucket to the face example of the AI demonstrating how powerful it is and then explain to them that anything that goes in AI um, can be on the front page of the news because you've got to imagine, dude, like you've used it, Giorgio, I've used it. It's not, you can't tell people not to use it. It's too powerful to not be used. And people are going to, that's the whole reason why we can't stop research on it. If the United States was to stop research, other countries are going to continue research. And then guess what? You're behind. So like the genie's out the bottle on that. So you need to explain what it is and then how to use it and then the and then like the caution of using it correctly. That that's how I would approach it. Um, if it were me, and again, it's AI agnostic. I don't care if it's Gemini, ChatGPT, or I don't know if Oracle's like thrown their hat in the ring yet. They always seem late to the game with things. But like whatever it is, this is the approach that I would take for my end user community. No, absolutely. And um, again, we, we are we are already late, late with the plan, but I, I like to show this uh, this other com comment from the chat. By the way, thank you all for for you know using the chat, commenting, and uh, uh, putting questions there. You know, we we are just thinking about what's the consequence of just using the the tool and the technology. And as you said, we're not even considering about you know malicious actors actually potentially breaching, maybe using one of these techniques that uh, we we started talking about. To, to actually, uh, we, we didn't see anything like that yet, but exfiltrate and publish some of the data that the, the uh, AI itself, you know, collected or learned or processed 
or whatever. I'm actually, uh, I should do some research myself. I don't think there will be like a proper database like we, we are used to with the, you know, all the specific uh, data and prompt and everything we, we collected. But definitely uh, there, 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 there could be a way to just, uh, you know, uh, publish what, what the, um, uh, just what the, the tool learned from all of the data and knowledge that uh, you know it collected over uh, all over the place, I'm not sure about you know how bad that is for the personal people that are um, uh, you know involved. Maybe that's worse for the company itself because mm-hmm. it, it, we we said that the data is important for the company to actually sell the product. But you know, still, it's definitely something that we should be aware of and uh, you know uh, we we should definitely have uh, more discussion about this. Now, I, I know I see a lot of comments in there. I know this uh, uh, topic is actually pretty important, but we have so many other. Uh, I know. Uh, hey, can know. I just share one final thought on this? Because yeah, sure. I, I, I feel it's very important. Go for it. I, Go for it. I agree with you that the business is the ones that are going to be the concerned ones and the ones that need to pay uh, to, to make sure that this is done. And, and, and frankly, they would have it. I don't want to absolve individuals. And I, and I, I want to say it for a specific reason. And this is going to get a little dark, y'all. So just, you know, get ready. And, and I won't get you like uh, banned or anything, Giorgio. Okay. So in like 2010, 2011, you can go Google this. Okay. In certain parts of the world, certain social lifestyles are illegal, not just frowned upon or socially, you know, uh, unpopular, illegal. Okay. And in 2010, 2011, there was a um, an app for men to find other men, like Tinder. Except it wasn't Tinder; it was for it was for men to find men. And in the country of Egypt, that's not legal. That's actually, uh, if not punishable to, by death, it's very severe penalty. And there was a flaw in this app that allowed pinpoint geolocation of individuals, and law enforcement leveraged this vulnerability to sweep up and collect these individuals and it was a it was quite serious i mean there were catastrophic impacts to these individuals and you know the people they care about so i i just use that as an example of a case study where technology that was thought to be private that was thought to be safe not even from a data breach but through software exploitation led to real humans ending up in you know real bad situations so i could see you know, oh, again, ChatGPT, I'm asking questions that might infer or deduce that I have a certain lifestyle or I have a certain um, interest or whatever that is uh, socially uh, unacceptable or socially frowned upon. And that leads through data compromise to me being, you know, put in a situation I don't want. Also, I might add, imagine you're asking questions about, um, how long does how long does heroin stay in my system? Because I'm going to get drug tested, right? Just to pick an extreme one. Or I, I'm going to get a life insurance policy. Um, and I ask it like how how long does like uh like weed stay in my body or something, you know, like what whatever. And then the insurance company is able to buy because straight cash, homie, straight cash, homie, purchase your data queries to do part of their evaluation on whether or not to write you an insurance policy. That doesn't seem fair, but guess what? You don't own the data. You're literally 
feeding their business model. So I just, again, I want to get to the other stories. I just, I want to highlight a couple examples of how individuals should really be thinking about their own data sensitivity. It's easy to create data. It's impossible to like ring it back in. Okay. That, that's it. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk, Georgia. <laughs> no, no, that's much appreciated. I, I really, I really like, you know, actually to uh, to talk a lot about things. Uh, I should probably uh, just collect less less articles because, uh, you know, if you, if you take the, the right one, there is a lot to say, so no problem at all. Uh, uh, just, you know, I um, was reading the chat uh, there and, uh, um, you know, of course, thank you for anyone who decides to maybe uh, subscribe or just uh, take the, the channel monitor, then maybe take a look at the, the previous episodes. They are not technically 100, they are 20, but still there will be much, much, you know, uh, more uh, in the uh, in the in the following months. I, I try to do this once a week, so we, you will have definitely something to uh, to watch and listen to. So uh, you know, thank you very much if you if you decide to to maybe subscribe or share this with uh, with some uh, some of your friends. By the way, we are doing this live on YouTube, but just uh, for you to know, we are re-uploading this on the channel. We are sort of re-uploading just the audio part on Spotify if you prefer that or other you know uh, whatever uh, other. Uh, podcast platform you you use. Uh, and uh, just a, another little reminder, I'm putting all the articles we are talking about in the chat, but they will also be um, put in the description of the video. So please do your own research, read those articles. If we're do saying something wrong or if we're not really uh, covering that specific aspect of the story, please do it yourself and let us know maybe maybe later so i, I can i can you know keep learning also after uh we stop uh being live um that said uh we should really jump into the next one which is pretty big as well um in the for 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 different reasons i i think the the reasons why this is a big news it's already something to discuss about um and uh, we're talking about uh meta that if you don't know it's it's the uh, the company name behind Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and in the, in the, uh, so on and so forth. I think they, they actually have a new social media that is not accessible for, from my country, but uh, it's called uh, Thread or something. Uh, maybe some, some of you uh, know it. Anyway, the point is that, of course, all of these different social media platforms that this company owns, that, you know, Meta owns, have uh, also uh, some uh, private chats, so one-to-one -one or maybe also group chats. Uh, Facebook have one, um, Instagram will uh, uh, will definitely have one, and so on and so forth. But so um, you know, uh, until apparently a few days ago, uh, they will uh, they were completely uh, plain text. What, what does it mean? Basically, maybe you're used to to use WhatsApp or you know or Signal or other similar chats. You know that those are end-to-end -end encrypted. Basically, uh, the communication between you and your recipient is accessible and it's readable just from you and your recipient. Okay, this is encrypted while it's being sent over the internet, and it's decrypted just when it reaches to the uh, to the other endpoint, so the other smartphone or the other computer or whatever. Now, uh, the Facebook chat, the Instagram chat, were not, which is kind of out of the standard, I will say, nowadays. And uh, pretty interesting because, uh, you know, and, you know, end-to-end -end encryption is basically everywhere um, right now. 
And uh, it's now on the news that finally Meta implemented that end-to-end encryption also on those chats. Now, this could be interesting, you know, uh, itself, just because, uh, okay, wow, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? Because it was not until a few days ago. This, this will be a first topic to discuss about. The other thing is about, you know, the reasons why they took so much uh, on, uh, you know, uh, implementing it. Uh, the article from where that I'm, uh, I have in front of me, it's pretty, it's pretty good. I will share this as well in the chat. And the point is that they are talking about some technical challenges with implementation, with the fact that they have so much data they were handling before and they will continue to handle after. And uh, the, um, uh, the uh, how can I say this, um, co coordinating all of that data process and uh, um, technicality with encryption itself was already something that uh, it was difficult, if not even impossible, few, uh, few you know uh, some time ago. So they had to find a way to uh, basically uh, they call it like a, a secure storage, something that you know I I know you you send your messages and you believe your recipient is the one that receives, but when you send them, they are uh, jumping on the Facebook servers. So they are there, they are on their infrastructure. And that's also true for most of the similar applications like that. Um, WhatsApp is not, it's not really uh, different. The point is that when they are saved on the server side, so on uh, the Facebook infrastructure, they have to be encrypted if you don't want the company to be able to access uh, you know, the data. So uh, it's uh, encrypted when you send it, it's encrypted when it's stored on the, the Facebook servers, and then it's only decrypted when it, uh, it's uh, uh, received by the, the recipient. Um, you know, that's, yep, it's technicality, you know, uh, uh, technically it's difficult, but still Facebook also owns WhatsApp, which is uh, already end-to-end -end decrypted. So why you were not able until now to, to do that? I, I don't know. I think there's there's more behind behind the scenes behind the hood that of course we will probably never know or just we will know uh, too late probably. But uh, again, what's what's your thought on this? Yeah. So uh, personally, I I don't use Facebook or or Messenger. I I have Instagram kind of, but it's more for like you know my wife and I like she'll curate a bunch of great clips for me and then. We'll sit together and go through the curated clips, but I don't really use them that much uh, for for reasons. Um, but okay, so Giorgio, um, just so uh, you get to know me a little bit better, I always when I see something like this, I'm like, okay, like straight cash, homie, and that's Randy Moss saying straight cash, homie. It's all about the money, right? This you can wrap this. Um, you know, this, this pig, if you will, and uh, a dress and put lipstick on it and a tiara and say, here you go. Look at this beautiful thing. But it, the reality is they've had this for years. Okay. And they're saying, listen, it would have been tough to retrofit it. Meta just spent like, I don't know, like hundreds of millions of dollars on um, web 3.0 in the metaverse and then like shut it down. So like, they had the money, okay? It wasn't a financial burden of like, oh, we'd really like for 2022 to be the year of uh, Messenger getting privacy results. No, it, it was not that. At, in my opinion, it was not that. Second of all, if I had to uh, follow the money, 
let me just let me just read this to you, okay, Giorgio. Since is is Italy in the EU? Sorry, is Italy the country in the European Union? Yep. Okay, so Italy's in the EU. EU has something called GDPR. For those who are watching who don't know what this is, it's basically privacy regs for European Union citizens. And of all the regulations in the entire world, it is the one that has the sharpest teeth. It looks like a great white's mouth with like razor blade teeth and like six rows of them. Let me just tell you, this is GDPR fines in 2023, just this year. Number one, Meta, 1.2 billion euros in Ireland. Meta, number three, 405 million euros in Ireland. Number four, 390 million euros in Ireland. Number six, six uh, 265 million euros in Ireland. Um, WhatsApp, which I think is owned by Meta, right? If I'm not mistaken. Right. So WhatsApp got hit for 225. Absolutely. Facebook itself got hit for 60 million in France. Um, you get the idea. They've spent over, you know, and, and there was another one that isn't in here, like $1.3 billion. So here's my deal. Meta has spent an A load of money on fines related to privacy. So here's a tip. Why don't we put privacy into our apps? Spin it as we're doing a favor to the community because we're privacy focused. And in reality, we are just sick and tired of stroking checks in the tens of millions of dollars for privacy fines. They're not going to move out of the European Union. There's too much straight cash, homie, going on in the European Union. So our choice is either to fix the problem, continue to take the fines, or move out of the market. Guess which one's the cheapest one to do? Fix the problem. That's what, to me, that's what's happening here. Straight, 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 straight. Now, I will say, I appreciate that they use the signal protocol, which to me is the, the most effective, most secure, the right one to use, the one that has the least um, uh, concern about backdoors and law enforcement and, um, you know, authorities abusing power and, you know, hidden courts and stuff like that. Because the signal one um, has been, you know, like uh, scrutinized and evaluated and all these other stuff. So good, good on them. Um, I love it. I, you know, and whatever, if, if, if them getting fined is what forced them to put privacy in, I'm all about it. Wait it. Thank you, Giorgio. Like you now represent the entire European union. Thank you to you and your people for giving us GDPR and making it a strong enough stick to make these, uh, tech giants, these gilded age, uh, you know, uh, plutocrats, if you will. Uh, and I might be using that term wrong. Um, basically comply with what we want. I think privacy on the messengers, uh, apps and, 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 and those type of things are so, so important. Now, if you will, uh, grant me two minutes while I put on a tinfoil hat and lose my mind for a hot second. I think it's incredibly critical as we continue to have this emergence of authoritative or authoritarianism in different parts of the world. And it's surging, frankly, or it's more published, but I think it's surging. Um, the ability for the people, whoever the people are, to coordinate and to communicate and to organize and to be able to stand up to that type of regime. Um, if you, they didn't have services like that, it wouldn't be possible. Read George Orwell's 1984. If they had Messenger app, they probably would have been able to, you know, undermine that authoritarianism a, a little bit faster, a little bit better. 
it's it's not the it's not a silver bullet. It's not the only solution. But to me, yes, I get that there's criminals who are going to use it in order to coordinate and hide from law enforcement, and that sucks. But we can't give up all privacy in exchange for a police state where we're granted a security through um, you know hyper uh, surveillance, right? I mean, it's at that point you're going to get someone in power who abuses it, and then all of a sudden. I mean, like, I don't know if you heard the story, but like Madison Square Garden in New York has this like surveillance system built in uh, with, you know, AI and facial recognition and stuff. And uh, a lawyer walked in and immediately she got picked up and kicked out because her law firm is suing the owner of Madison Square Garden. So like she didn't do anything wrong. She purchased a ticket. She's legit. But no, 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 no. I'm rich and powerful and I don't like you. You're you're excluded from this experience you know, transfer that faster to like, um, picked up and disappear because you're questioning my politics or disappear because your technology is better, faster, stronger, cheaper than mine. And you're, you're challenging my ability to make money disappear. Right. So again, I I take it to an extreme for hyperbolic purposes to make a point, but hopefully you understand why I think it's important, why I think privacy is important. And then also at the end of the day, it was straight cash that made him drive this bus into the privacy uh, parking lot. I, I definitely see you. You have, you know, definitely a, a strong position on this on this topic. And and uh, I, yeah, mostly agree with uh, with everything, right? Uh, but uh, for for the sake of the conversation, I need to d- be like the devil's advocate here, right? Yeah, yeah, no, keep going. Um, let's roll, man. Let's do let's, it. Uh, you know, you you mentioned some of it, but there there has been a lot of conversation, especially. With this new, uh, with this news that just came out uh, about the fact that you know Facebook is so much used uh, by I don't know uh, um, stalkers and people who are targeting a child, and uh, the point that is is being used for, for for that purpose by so many people, and the point that it was um, you know plain text, so it was not encrypted, was useful for you know police and government agencies and uh, uh, a lot of uh, you know no profits that do that you know care mm-hmm. about child care about you know those ca- targets of, of you know those kind of uh, um, uh, threats uh, because you know they could technically request directly to facebook you know we know about this specific person is a bad person doing bad stuff so you have to give us uh, all of their messages so we can, you know, catch them and uh, demonstrate, okay, you're doing this, you're sending this kind of messages to uh, to childs or, or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's how I can actually put you in prison. Okay. So this was happening and uh, it was, let's say, <laughs> a good thing for police because they had a platform where to focus on, right? One of the last few big flat platforms that are not encrypted and where they can get the data on when they, they request it, right? So if you don't know this, they can do it, right? So police or governments, they can go to Facebook, to Google, to whatever, and say, you know, we are doing an investigation to uh, for, for this specific person. So we request all of the information you have about this person so we can use that for our investigation. So if the platform is not encrypted, there's a lot of more data. They actually have, you know, line by line, all of the messages that are being used on the platform, if that's going to be encrypted from now on, 
that's a huge, huge, you know, uh, uh, loss of data uh, that police and governments, agencies and whatever can use for that reason. So a lot of people are actually against it. I know for me, it's, it's a bit, a bit, you know, difficult to, to, to comprehend, but it's, it's a bad thing on that specific scenario. Like from now on, everyone, like everyone, bad and good people that are using Facebook for any reason, you know, uh, will have their messages encrypted. And if, even if the police or whatever, you know, country is going to request data, just Facebook doesn't have the data anymore. Or maybe they have the data, but it's not readable even from Facebook. You know, technically, if everything is doing, uh, <laughs> is being done uh, perfectly and, and uh, whatever. So what about that? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I guess in, in response to that, I mean, obviously, you know, I 100% agree. I find, um, you know, CSAM and the abuse of children, human trafficking. Um, you know, I have a, a cousin who died from uh, overdosing on an opioid. So, you know, drug traffickers, all of this deplorable, um, unacceptable, illegal behavior is a blight on our society. But, you know, I, I, I feel that it is it is really slippery if you give law enforcement an ability to um or you give you know people in charge whoever it is law enforcement uh the opportunity to surveil and find the bad people right like it's like a 1950s comic book right it was like very clear this guy's the bad guy this guy's the good guy this guy's evil this guy's righteous I know who I'm with, but it, it really can get gray. It can get really slippery. And I dropped a link in, um, in chat here, just like, just as a quick way to make an example, how do I, is there a private chat here? Let me share this with you. Okay. Um, so, okay. you know, Associated Press did some research in 2016 and found significant evidence supporting that police officers were regularly abusing their access to sensitive uh, police databases for non-police work, including looking up all the details on romantic partners, on neighbors, all, for revenge purposes, for stalking purposes, for extortion purposes, for uh, threatening purposes, okay? Um, again, not all police are bad. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying all law enforcement is bad. What I am saying is if... You put a tool in place. Again, we, we did this with the AI earlier, Giorgio. Yeah, Tools yeah. are moral agnostic. They don't give a crap how you're using it. It's just a tool. It's in the hands of the individual. If I give you this database, if I give you this ability to have God mode and see all of it, yes, day one, we're taking out child predators. Day two, we're taking out criminal drug rings and everybody wins. We're not shutting the system down afterwards because there's this, you know, specter of the next threat actor, the next child predator. Okay. But the people, the humans sitting at the console are like, you know, Hey, like, you know, I, I don't, I don't like, you know, I don't like what this person's saying. Like, let's get into that. Or like, dude, I mean, as we saw in the United States, 2016 election, Russia, you know, this has been attributed. So these aren't hot takes Russia. Um, Fancy Bear Group. I'm reading Fancy Bear Goes Fishing, uh, the book. Fancy Bear uh, did phishing emails to get into um, Podesta's 
uh, email account, Hillary Clinton staff campaigners' email accounts, and then took all that data and dumped it. Okay. The impact of that data dump was significant. Now, was mishandling classified information okay? Not at all. Not at all. But what I'm saying is, imagine, if you will, a or a a rival to Hillary Clinton, right? Like, let's just, you know, or whoever, political candidate Giorgio. You're running. I'm in current power. I have access to all the resources. You're trying to unseat me because I'm corrupt and, and just a horrible person. And I'm like, hey. Let's use that. Uh, let's use that um, messenger thing that we have power to to find everybody Giorgio's talking to. Then let's find who their family members are and let's go pay them a visit. Okay, so I just I, I feel you. I feel you in the in the compelling case. I don't want a single child to get hurt. It's deplorable, but it, it really is not just black and white and, and and obvious on who's good and who's bad because I feel like with the tool in place. It will become weaponized for authoritative purposes or for exploitive purposes or whatever. And, and it's the same reason why people, exactly, Legrat, it's the same reason why people were losing their mind and why Apple in 2016, I believe, was so firm about not putting a magic backdoor into all iPhones after the San Bernardino shooter. The FBI was like, bro, you got to let us get a backdoor in your iPhones because the next mass massacre we need to know it's coming. And Apple was like, yeah, but you can get in anyone's phone then. And it was a, t it was a big, big thing. Now, obviously the FBI got a hacker out of Italy, out of Italy um, or Australia. I think it was Italy though, uh, to break in and, and you know, whatever, but okay. Like again, I, Giorgio, I'm super passionate, man. <laughs> no, no problem at all. It's, it's exactly what I, I was looking for. Like, uh, I mean, Next time, I just need to, to take someone with, with the other position, right? Because I, I really feel like, still, I agree with you, but there's so much to learn from the conversation, right? There's so much to, 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 uh, to understand from different opinions and then uh, different stuff. So again, everyone who is watching this, everyone who is listening, uh, make your own opinion on this. Yep. Of course, read a lot, you know, listen a lot to all of the people that you, you, you know, uh, uh, care uh, care more or just understand more or just you know uh, have a, a better opinion on but still do your own research do your own you know elaboration and uh, uh, you know make your own opinion and maybe just let us know what's your opinion next right mm -hmm. so uh, definitely by the way I just wanted to mention something there's another good comment in there um, you know mentioning the uh, US working on something to to uh, uh, ban end-to-end -end encryption. Actually, there are a lot of countries working against end-to-end -end encryption. I think the last one, and this is you know one of the uh, the previous episodes, uh, was the UK being very very you know direct. And uh, I think they they were about to release a new uh, regulation, uh, you know, against uh, uh, against end-to-end -end encryption. So actually, there's a lot more. Uh, to to read and discuss about this. So again, you have the article in the chat. You will see the the same article in the description of the video as well. So you know, uh, just keep up with the uh, learning process and uh, you know research and study. Cool. So again, um, very very nice topic. We have something on the same line later on, but we're going to change um, completely the subject here uh, for the next story. 
Um, so um, uh, once again, just a little reminder, it, you know, you are a lot of people right now. Thank you, uh, Gerald, for, for taking all of your followers uh, to get together today. But if you're liking this, if you want to see more, if you want me to keep, uh, you know, bothering people like Gerald to, to, um, to have new guests every week, please consider subscribing or sharing this with, uh, with a friend or keep you know, just commenting in the chat because that, that's, that's the, the final goal. That's the, um, um, you know, the reason why I'm doing this, just to have more people to, uh, to talk with and uh, learn from all of the conversation that we can all have together. So thank you for that. So let's jump to the next news. And um, this, is, this, is a, this has a lot to do with, uh, you know, GRC in general. We mentioned this before, right? Um, uh, it stands for governance, risk, and compliance. Is that is that right? Oh yeah, that oh yeah, all day, baby. Perfect. So the point is that um, you know, in a in the in the structure of a company, you know, whatever company out there, the uh, higher the highest level of a person in charge for the security of the company, okay, it's the the CISO. Okay, so CISO stands for Chief Information Security Office, uh, Officer, if you don't know it. So basically, you know, that's someone who definitely um, is working uh, in GRC because he's doing definitely governance, he's de definitely doing, you know, he's in charge of risk management, he's in charge of compliance uh, in a company. And everything, you know, everyone working in security in that company is basically um, uh, below that specific person. Right. This is just, this is just for context. If you don't know already, um, uh, and um, the point is that that person is also the one responsible for any potential threats that the company is facing, any potential um, you know attack that is going to, um, um, to 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 face. Okay. So if a company gets breached and data is being exfiltrated and they have to pay a ransom, ultimately. The, the responsibility for that is going to be the CISOs, okay? So that that's is uh, you know that's one of the reasons why it's very important. Of course, it's an important role because uh, he decides the overall strategy of the security of a company. But you know, it's also personally responsible most of the time about individual attacks and breaches of the company. Now, uh, this is probably the reason why uh, very recently Microsoft add to change its own CISO. So we're talking about Microsoft, one of the biggest companies out there, definitely one of the biggest big tech uh, out there, a very important company, especially because, you know, um, uh, all of the applications they are selling, all of the cloud storage and computing they are uh, providing to multiple other companies uh, worldwide. And the fact that, you know, Microsoft and similar companies are also responsible for the supply chain about other companies as well, right? They are providing the technology many of, of other companies are using. So if um, uh, one of their customers is going to be breached, at some point, in, in some part, also Microsoft is going to be responsible for that because they are providing the technology, they are storing the data, right? Because the, the, cloud, uh, the cloud storage is theirs. Um, so uh, recently they had, um, um, you know, they were involved, let's say, in a breach that uh, actually involved many, many companies, but also some uh, uh, government agencies and, uh, you know, uh, entities. And uh, 
apparently for the, for that reason specifically, they decided to, you know, say to their CISO, you know, just have a step back. We're going to change you with the, uh, another person that, that is actually an outsider, which is another interesting thing. So we, they are taking someone which was not in Microsoft a uh, few, few time ago, and the, 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 the previous CISO was actually in there, I believe, for like 14 years or something, which is a lot, believe me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that's a very big decision. You know, it's nothing really bad. We had previous CISOs that were, um, you know, uh, uh, where say they were going to prison because of a breach. This time they're, they just have to change role, which is not, uh, you know, that uh, they're threatening to their lives. Uh, but still, for a big company like Microsoft to, to do a so big uh, change, a so uh, big decision, and to do it publicly, of course, for other mm -hmm. kind of roles, they, they don't say it, right? Because it's not important for the public. They are saying this because it's something they have to do uh, for uh, Microsoft customers and, uh, uh, and the stakeholders, right? Okay, we had a problem. Right, and because of this problem, we're going to do something about it. We're going to uh, implement some changes that are going to be good to improve our overall security. Now, I'm going to stop there because there's already a lot, and uh, of course, I want to know your opinion as as your this is your uh, more your uh, let's say uh, pillar in the industry. It's not uh, technically mine, but of course, I'm involved as well in uh, if my company is is going to to do something like this, right? So, uh, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. So when I initially saw this story and I covered it on my uh, daily cyber threat brief, which is a live stream, I do it every single weekday morning. Um, you know, I was like, oh my God, like I agreed with you. Like, okay, so China hacks in, gets the golden ticket. They're breaking into everybody's tenant, uh, including, uh, federal U S federal government people, uh, Brett Arsenal, 14 years. See, so first of all, wow. Second of all, um, I guess he's a martyr. Like, is that what we're doing here in Microsoft? Appeasing the uh, the mob, the stakeholder mob, by throwing his body into the uh, pitchforks and, and saying, there you go, here's your sacrificial lamb. Um, that's what I thought. Okay, so then um, I, I did a little bit more research on it and I was like, okay, like, let's, like, let's really get this. Because also the deputy CISO was uh, removed from position as well. And you know, that's also very uncommon. A, a company like Microsoft, uh, really any Fortune 50 company, but Microsoft's like a Fortune 10 company, um, has succession plans. They don't, they don't, they don't like just like, you know, Mark Davis from the Oakland, like this is a super US reference, uh, Georgia, so I apologize, but like they're not Mark Davis from the Las Vegas Raiders just like living in the moment and making YOLO decisions all over the place. They are, methodical, they're deliberate, they have long-term strategies and they have succession plannings because you know what? Having internal insider awareness and knowledge of how things work here is how successful companies that make billions of dollars maintain that stability. So having researched this a little bit more, a couple interesting things. One, Brett Arsenal was not fired or let go. His role changed at Microsoft. The CISO, as Giorgio eloquently put, is responsible for the security of the business, the technology the business uses, the staff that work at the business, third parties they interface with, etc. As awesome as the CISO is from a perspective, at a tech company, it's really um, 
only part of what the thing is, right? Like all, like all of the product development for Azure, all of the security configurations for Azure, all of the relationships with the federal government and GovCloud and FedRAMP and all that stuff, like that's not really inside of the CISO's scope of a responsibility. Brett Arsenault went from CISO to chief security advisor at Microsoft, which means as they have just launched their, um, uh, what do they call it? Secure Future Initiative, which is a, a huge initiative that they just rolled out maybe in no early November, where they're talking about engineering advances around cyber threats, increased digital attacks on identity systems, AI era, beyond. I, I think what they've done is they've looked at Brett Arsenal and said, dude, we aren't leveraging you enough based on how awesome you are in the CISO role. You're actually like not delivering the greatest amount of value you could be delivering to Microsoft. Let's move you over here and have you basically be this kind of like, you know, vision visionary on where we need to go to be secure in the future. And the um, Sigansky fellow, who's now the CISO, who is coming in from the outside from Bridgewater Associates, a little bit more research reveals that he actually used to work in Microsoft as the chief strategy officer for security. So he he just, you know, flipped badges. This guy knows the people, the players that are going on. He's a longtime uh, active member at the highest levels in InfoSec. And when you're talking about strategy, you're you're thinking long-term big picture. He's one of the dudes in the room that you don't get into the room unless you're one of the people who's got to be in that room. You know what I'm saying? So um, it makes total sense that Microsoft is doing this this way. One, um, I feel like that Chinese attack is symptomatic of an issue, but it was not a transactional thing that some you know joke organization would do where they're like, oh, like there was a breach, you're fired. It, it was much more like, this is an indicator of a architectural deficiency that we have and we need to move some pieces around the chessboard in order to promote that the next 20 years we aren't having this brittle foundation we need to ramp it up and, and move it forward as frankly as we are combating with google in this ai arms race right i mean let's be real microsoft bought open ai chat gpt google's getting bananas with gemini and bard um and it's an arms race so I, I I love it. On the surface, I was like, you know, because I'm a GRC guy. I'm like, holy Jesus, man, Brett Arsenal got fired. What the hell? Like, let's what are we doing here? And in reality, he got promoted, frankly. Um, so so good on him. And um, just shout out to Microsoft, by the way, um, who originally started. Again, I'm reading Fancy Bear Goes Fishing. I recommend people pick it up and read it. Microsoft started out as like first to market just delivering features upon features upon features uh, that was full of security risks just so they could be first to market and get market share. And they did it. And then we got macro viruses, Melissa virus, Outlook explode, like all these things, Code Red, Slammer, like all these things, IIS was trash. Now they, Bill Gates in 20, uh, 2002, 2002, sends out the now famous trustworthy computing memo and says, starting today, Microsoft's serious about security. And they they took it seriously. And now 20 years later, I mean, they're freaking awesome. I love, I love what Microsoft's doing. If they make a mistake, they own it and they make uh, process improvements and they are 
they're they're a leader in the space around what to do correctly. So those yeah, are they're actually they're actually a pretty, a pretty big security vendor nowadays. So they are actually in the security industry as well. Uh, you know, other than all, all of the other industries, there they were already. Yeah, and let me just really quickly because I I see chat here. I know Chris Palika is in Vegas. I wasn't throwing shade at the Vegas Raiders, Chris. I was just saying that Mark Davis as an owner, um, his his decision making is sus. <laughs> All right, not not to deviate too far from Infosec, Giorgio. Yeah, that that's completely okay. Um, so okay, I like you have a, a an interesting point of view on this, right? That is um. I would say probably different than what the article is uh, is trying to say, at least in the first part. Mm -hmm. And uh, for what I see from the chat, probably also different from uh, some of the people out there, right? Because this on on the first, you know, um, on the first um, the first time you see this, looks like okay, they are you know uh, getting someone else a promotion, and uh, the the previous season actually was uh, um, you know was tossed. The, no, away from 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 uh, its original role. But it's interesting how you you're focusing on the fact that they still have not only a role in the company, but also uh, an important security role, right? Still, yeah. it's not the CISO. You know, uh, technically, that's that's the 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 head of security uh, in, a, in a company in general. But you know, it's also true that any company decide and uh, create their their own uh, you know. Uh, um, infrastructure they own uh, uh, decisions i don't think this this role they they gave they gave him is actually uh something other companies are are doing but they found okay we need someone who does specifically this in security and we believe this person is the best person to do that specifically now the the other uh interesting fact uh for me was that the new CISO, right it's uh you know yeah, he has definitely a lot of uh, security experience, but he previously was a CTO, so Chief Technology Officer. Mm -hmm. he, apparently, um, they, their CV is more like a product guy, someone who knows uh, how to, um, to put a strategy for the, the, the development of, um, uh, of a technology, of a product in general, which is, I, I believe, pretty interesting for a... Uh, for a CISO, which should be technically more a governance guy, okay, <laughs> should be a little more, uh, you know, uh, away from the, the, techni the technicalities. Uh, don't you think so? Uh, at least it's new for me, uh, but of course I, I'm not in that in that pillar. So yeah, you, no, no, no. I mean, a hundred percent. I could see that. I guess uh, I, I'll just you know to be um, objective and transparent. You know if. If Brett Arsenal leaves Microsoft in the next, say, nine months, because I saw someone uh, in chat mention this, if he's mm -hmm. if they just moved him to the right so he could train up and backfill with the new person as part of that succession plan, and he leaves, well, then then okay, that 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 was uh, I was mistaken on that. Now, as the current CISO being a CTO and a product person. Um, I could see potentially, I have to imagine Microsoft is using all of their own products in-house, like eating their own dog food. So Microsoft, the business is probably on Azure. They're probably using Office 365 or M365, Endpoint Defender, Sentinel, all those things. So I could see them thinking, okay, like we need to make our product suite better, faster, stronger, more competitive. 
Um, let's get someone who can do a CISO job at Microsoft, but also who's bringing the perspective of product so we can get rapid, um, rapid feedback, rapid integration, rapid fixing. Um, because, you know, with, with security vendors, security product vendors, a lot of times they want CISOs to answer their questions, to fill out their forms, to what features do you like? What, what keeps you up at night? I'm not like, I want to put features in that'll solve your problems, not just like, you know, throw in Minesweeper because we think you're going to like it. So I could see maybe that's the angle again. Uh, like at this point, uh, Giorgio, it's like me and you are like, you know, on the train on the way home from work and we're just kind of spitting around, um, you know, like postulating on why they would choose a product person over, um, you know, as someone who came up in the GRC space. Again, I, I'm not sure what what he was doing at Bridgewater Associates, but he definitely lacks CISO experience, which me personally, I don't think is a good move. Um, I, I, I'm not a big fan. Like personally, I'm not a big fan of uh, the, the deep technical people who just pivot directly into CISO. Um, I feel like if, you know, again, this is me having wrote, I just said, I'm trying to be objective and then I'm immediately throwing shade uh, subjectively. I feel like if you don't come up, you know, with InfoSec and understand some of those pains and the, like the realities of the conflict between IT and InfoSec and not getting your initiatives pushed forward or, or getting kneecapped because, oh, sorry, like, sorry, your patch window didn't happen because we're upgrading to, for, to get new features or sorry, we're not going to bring your compromised machine offline because it's, you know, we're doing payroll this week and we've got to run. I mean, I get it. You got to run payroll, but like, it's just like, ah, you know, like, so, so um, I, I, I don't know. Again, this is a totally biased take and I'll own that, but I feel like you have to be forged in the fires of InfoSec Mordor in order to be the most effective CISO, unless you're just like being stuck there as a placeholder for checkbox compliance. But I don't think Microsoft is into checkbox compliance. That's um, that's very very interesting. I don't know how, how much time we have to to deep dive in this, but uh, just just few words. Uh, you know, I've I've personally known uh, a few Caesar out there, right? And I see pretty much two different um, uh, you know, backgrounds, right? Uh, before they they actually got into that position. Uh, the first one is uh, the, the one that I I I, I tried. I I think I understand you prefer um, that. You know, someone who did all of their career in Jersey. So they are working on policies. They were working on, you know, the legal aspects. They maybe were working on uh, specific risk management and so on and so forth. Maybe they were just a consultant for a lot of time. Then uh, they just decided to to uh, pivot to uh, um, to the client side, let's say. Uh, and the other one is someone who pivoted from a technical in, in this time, and I'm, I'm probably uh, you know referring to security technical position, like like maybe they were a pen tester before, maybe they were uh, working in a SOC before, and so on and so forth. And then they started, you know, um, getting away from the technicalities and uh, getting more into uh, you know uh, regulations, how to comply, how to uh, you know define a strategy, and so on and so forth. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion. I think everyone of course, finds they, their own way. Uh, of course, if you find that at some point in your life, you prefer that other thing or you are just better in doing that because it happens, guys. So <laughs> people change. 
and uh, also your preferences change. So if you don't want to do that anymore and you prefer something else, I think you should at least try, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not uh, the, the right one, but that's for someone else to decide, maybe for the company who hires you. Uh, but I think that still they they will both, you know, both of these uh, uh, different backgrounds will have some very good, uh, you know, um, uh, baselines of skills, right? Because it's definitely good if you know something about the technicalities. It's definitely, you know, very, very important that you are really strong in the GRC uh, aspect of it. So I don't know. Uh, again, I don't have a strong opinion. Need to, to uh, talk a little more about this maybe. Uh, but yeah, just think once again that it's, it's interesting just to, to talk about it. Yeah, um, it, it yeah. is cool. And just like, I just kind of, another thing I was thinking of is like, you know, maybe Brett's tired of the CISO. Maybe, you know, I just did some quick math, like some OSINT and quick math. Brett, Brett is turning 60 this year. Um, you know, typically when you work your A off, you, you like to enjoy retirement. You know, he, he could be kind of like moving the cruise ship towards port. Um, that's quite possible. His role of chief, chief security advisor, I just want to point out, he held that position from 2003 to 2009. So it's not real. I mean, I called it a promotion and Microsoft's platform has changed dramatically since 2009 because the cloud. Uh, but I just want to point out that it seems like he's on the, the back nine to use a golf mm. reference, Giorgio. Um, and, and, and it's interesting. Uh, so, you know, there is that to give consideration to in the absence of information and detail, yeah. um, you know, we, all we can do is speculate, but, um, you know, certainly interesting. Um, and one more thing I'm actually going to do really quickly. I always like to do this. I don't know if you do this, uh, at all, Giorgio, but I'm pulling up Microsoft stock, uh, just to see, cause like it's a publicly traded company. How did news yeah, like right. this impact them? You know, they were trading three, uh, 380 at the end of November, they're trading 370, here on December 8th. So, you know, a couple points of uh, fluctuation, nothing, nothing, you know, like yeah. the market isn't reacting, which means that insiders know that this is fine. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's right. I didn't know. I didn't think about it. Right. Definitely as a public statement, as a public move, it could have uh, had uh, some, uh, some kind of impact on the, uh, on the stock. It doesn't appear so yet, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, of course, a lot of this is speculation. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's true. We don't have all the all the information, all the data. But still, the the processing of the of the thoughts, I think it really uh, help you help you grow personally, or at least you know it's it's doing this with me. So uh, good for me. <laughs> so. <laughs> Gerald, I don't know uh, what's what's your um, what's your plan. Like, um, do you still have time to jump on the the last one? Yeah, think? we could we could do kind of a lightning round, uh, a shorter version. I'll I'll do less okay. time of like uh, flipping out. I, I could flip out less. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, so uh, very very quickly. By the way, little reminder. I so much appreciate all the people in the chat commenting. Uh, you know, uh, asking questions. Please continue to do that. If you're liking this, please uh, consider hitting that subscribe button or sharing this with a friend and uh, watching the, the previous episode as well. We're going through the last news for today. And uh, hopefully uh, later on, uh, I will maybe ask, uh, I don't know, Gerald, for, for a new episode. Uh, who knows? So for, for this 
for this last news, we are going back to the let's say privacy privacy topic there, um, and uh, and I know this this is already a big a big one for for Gerald, so uh, I'm I'm curious now. Uh, the thing is, and um, we we are not going to uh, into the technicalities because we don't have technical details here. The point was that a uh, um, U.S. senator uh, sent a letter to the uh, DOJ, so the Department of Justice, uh, publicly uh, asking uh, for you know um, uh, you know a, a certain secret regulation that was specifically affecting um, Google and Apple, right? to share about their policy regarding data collection um, and uh, collection and, uh, you know, uh, uh, share to, to third parties, uh, specifically regarding the, the push notification on mobile devices. Now, what we are talking about, whenever you receive one of those notifications from any app in your, in your device, uh, being that an Android or Apple device, the point is that just to send you that specific message with that specific notification, uh, the implementation to do that for the developers, uh, even if they are third-party applications, right, it's not an app from Google, it's not an app from Apple, it's a third-party application, still the implementation require, um, you know, to use the um, Google or Apple infrastructure. And that means that the data uh, that is contained and is related with that specific notification eventually is actually being shared with those companies. Now, the thing that we didn't know and that someone actually was uh, maybe um, supposing it was happening is the fact that they are actually collecting all of this information and uh, uh, kind of secretly because the Department of Justice was uh, you know, preventing to, 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 to say anything about it to those two companies. They are actually sharing this information to you know, some uh, different countries, not only US, but also other countries, uh, whenever they request it. Now, we don't know the, de the details. We don't know what are the constraints, what, are the, you know, what is the perimeter when uh, a government can ask for this information or how much information they can share about what or whatever. The point that you no, know, the point is that this is big once again because we knew about you know data collection and data surveillance for a lot of time. Spe unfortunately, specifically from from US and uh, the big tech companies, uh, and uh, we you know as an industry, uh, you know, or at least some of them, uh, we're thinking, okay, we have so much end-to-end -end encryption right now. We have so much uh, you know encryption on. Uh, uh, the um, web protocol, so the HTTP, now everyone uses uh, HTTPS and so on and so forth, that we are a little more safe than yesterday, right? We are using much, much safer applications. Still, you know, the point is that you're using maybe WhatsApp, maybe Signal, so your messages are actually encrypted, but whenever your recipient receives the message and as a notification with the preview from the message, apparently that message could have been, you know, collected and possibly shared uh, by by Google and Apple. And the, the final point here is that, you know, even if you are someone who is really targeted, so you are maybe using Signal and similar apps because you really have to care about your privacy because you could have very big consequences, right? I'm I'm thinking about journalists in, uh, you know, uh, particular countries mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so on and so forth. The point is that even if you think you are very, very secure using that application, 
a part of your communication could have been uh, collected in that way. So now that, that's another big uh, topic. I know we don't have much time, so let's see what we can do. But uh, again, I'm so curious to to hear about uh, you know your opinion on this. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of try to keep it quick or contained as best mm-hmm. I can. So first of all, I um, I I don't want to say I love threat actors, but one thing about me, Giorgio, that you should know is that again, as a conformist, as someone who has difficulty thinking. Um, not just outside the box, but like really, really innovative novel uh, attacks and stuff like that. Um, I do appreciate that threat actors do come up with this stuff. Now, I, I don't know if a threat actor was involved with this or if this just this came from like Google and Apple saying, "Hey, law enforcement, hey, governments, did you know we could do this?" And then the government taking advantage of this. But I'm glad it came out. You know, I don't think much of push notifications as a risk, but for me, the push notification. It's dropping, um, you know, like your phone's going to be beaconing where it is, right? So like as you get a push notification, you can use that to identify where you are, which they could probably triangulate you anyways through your mobile. But um, so there's that. What apps you're getting, what messages you're getting, right? So there's a bit of meta information there as well. So you use meta messenger to go back to an earlier topic and it's secured end-to-end encryption. Well, maybe we can infer that like, okay, like you're getting several messages at you know exactly this pinpoint time like 12010203304 right and we see several messages and we can correlate that with a sender over here who is sending messages at the same time and when you reply they're getting push notifications so now we can infer that this these two individuals are communicating right there's there's meta information to get um so so that's kind of uh concerning for me also um you have to be real to think that, okay, like if a push notification's coming, it's being, it's coming from some, you know, it's a pub sub model, right? So, or publisher subscriber model for those who don't know design patterns. So it's coming from some server to send and push down. So the server knows that you're about to get it before you even receive it. So that information is there on the server and that server could be queried. So you know, to hell with like your push notification if they're not interested in exactly where you are geographically from a privacy perspective, but if they're more interested in what apps you're getting, what data is in there, the server is going to be there. So even if you have all the settings with your push notifications, you got to give consideration to where the server is that's going to be sending that. And the third final thing I would say, just for uh, individuals who are interested, there is a phenomenal documentary on Netflix, if it's still on Netflix, I suspect it is called The Social Dilemma. If you haven't seen The Social Dilemma, uh, really quickly, it is basically showing how um, big tech companies hire and leverage psychologists and human behavior experts in order to figure out the best way to keep you on their apps, the best way to keep you engaged in your devices. And your experience, Giorgio, on Instagram is different than my experience on Instagram because uh, of how often you go on it and stuff. And one of the best things you can do for your own mental health and for your own ability to continue to control your own time is to disable notifications, not from a privacy perspective as laid out in this story right here, but in an actual way to kind of combat uh, manipulation of yourself in a very, very uh, subtle um, kind of not incognito, but a very subtle 
un, unobtrusive way. And again, that social dilemma documentary, I strongly encourage everyone go check that out. Do your own research. I don't care. Leave all the notifications on. You can be like my kid's iPad. That's like ding, 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 ding. I swear to God, he gets 20 minutes of battery life on a fresh charge because the kid's just running notifications 24 seven. But anyways, that that's what my thoughts are on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, you know, the only, the only thing that I really have to mention here is that the, the fact that, you know, there's a, if you, if you just search online, okay, I want to be secure, right? I want to be safe. So how, how can I be safe in, uh, you know, using technology, using the internet and, and everything? Of course, you will find a lot of, you know, suggestions, which could be a, actually a very good suggestion, like, you know, use just this kind of encrypted application do not use maybe some of these social media because are less less safe than others and so on and so forth now what i really want to um you know keep a second thinking about this maybe i use signal because it's the probably the most secure application out there for for messaging right because there's a no profit behind it because uh, they their mission is specifically to build something that is secure and uh, privacy oriented and so on and so forth but still the point is, and this is the the uh, you know the final um, uh, you know clue that it's it's like this. If you're using an Android device or an Apple device, where you are installing that Signal app, or you know I'm just using Signal as a, yeah. an, uh, an example, but whatever other secure app you want to use or secure site where to share data and whatever. The point is, still you have a uh, device an hardware device right that was developed that was produced by another company uh, definitely a profit company who profits from your data most of all right yeah yep. especially oh, yeah. google apple and, and and friends right this time is push notification another time will be something else the point is you know if you are really really privacy oriented if you really are scared yeah, I think it depends on the people. I think everyone should be should do their own threat model, right? Am I facing some specific threats? Maybe I should be more savvy than than others. But the point is, if you really are scared that something can happen to you because someone is collecting your data, the point is, the only way is not using technology at all. Yeah, that, that, that's my final thought, right? Uh, or at least you have to build it yourself some way. Because you, you can't rely on any piece of software that is installed on another piece of software that is not safe by, by design or by default, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you, it's, you, there is always risk, right? You, it's just a, it's how much risk are you wanting to take and what trade-off are you willing to make in order for that risk, right? So no tech, live in a cave, off the grid, hunt for your food, don't talk to another human. You're probably safe. Right. But what are you giving up? You're not listening to this live stream. You're not, exactly. you know, you're not getting whatever this wall screen, you know, retro synth wave screen wallpaper is. You're not getting that. You're not getting, you're not ordering this neon sign off Amazon. You, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, what kind of life are you living? And, and that's a question for each individual to answer themselves. Uh, but I mean, going on the other end of the extreme and just putting everything out on the internet, that's, that's ridiculous, but you've got to find where the balance is in the middle. Like, you know, like for any organization, Giorgio, again, being a CISO GRC wonk, like, like what's your risk appetite? And don't just tell me it's low. Like, let's have a conversation. Like, 
what are you willing to accept? How much are you willing to spend? What is unacceptable to you? And it's somewhere between ridiculously insecure and completely unusable. There's somewhere on that slider that this business is. And every individual has somewhere on the slider where their level of comfort is, whether it's you know, um, you know, privacy or what apps they have or where they're seen in public or, pe- you know, people buying things. Like I remember back in the day, I don't know how old you are, Giorgio, but a million years ago when I was young, um, I would go to the store and buy 2600 magazine with cash, which was like a hacking mag um, with cash. Cause I didn't want to use my credit card. Cause I was like, ah, oh, the man's going to know I'm buying 2600 and they're going to show up at my door. And like, you know, that was like, in re- that was like a conscious decision I made. It was ridiculous, but um, yeah, everybody's got to answer that question for themselves. Yeah, that, that's so important. Thank you so much because th- that is the most important, you know, outcome that we can have from this conversation, I believe. Because the point is that, you know, how, how much security you need, you need to decide for yourself. You know, you as a person, you as an, an organization, of course, if you are like a federal organization, you have to, uh, you know, rely on a totally different level, or if you are a very top secret, um, you know, uh, focused company or whatever, you need a certain high level of uh, uh, of security and uh, of safety. That's the same if you are an individual, if you are a person, right? If, you know, uh, it's you don't care about uh, a lot of your data, or you care just about um, using those services because you want to use Amazon, you want to use mm-hmm. Google, you want to use Facebook and all, and you think the value you are obtaining from giving out your data and obtaining that service, it's it's good, it's enough, then you should keep using it. That That's my, uh, my point of view, right? But you just have to be aware of what you are giving out in, you know, in exchange. And when you are aware and decide, okay, that's okay for me. Okay, I keep using... I don't know, Gmail, because even if, if it's from Google and they're probably, you know, um, analyzing all of my emails, still the service is so good that I it's, it's okay for me. Okay, you are aware, you decided, and, you know, it's just you. It's your position. It's your uh, context. It's going to be different from different other people. Just not be the guy that, okay, no, I'm not going to use anything. I'm not going to have a mobile phone, I'm not going to have a TV at home because it could be uh, whatever. So I, I really don't like the 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 you know um, uh, the extremes. I don't know if that makes sense, right? But again, maybe for your specific position that makes sense. Happy, happy for you, you know? <laughs> uh, but just do conscious decisions for, for this specific topic. That, that, that's my, uh, my take. Okay. Um, I don't know what you think, Gerald, but we already spoke so much and uh, it was so, so useful. So, so, you know, uh, insightful, I believe. Uh, I thank you so much for that. I thank you everyone that has been with us today. Uh, roughly 20, 25 people that that's, that's also for me. Thank you so much. Uh, just the last reminder, I, I know I, I, I said this so many times, but uh, it will be so, so much appreciated if you would like to subscribe and maybe return back in one of the next episodes because th- this is the right, the, the real value that I see on this format, right? The fact that we I can have a conversation not only with Gerald, which is completely you know great, but also with the people from, from the public that can share their thoughts as well. Maybe they, they can say something more that they didn't, that we didn't, you know, cover uh, so far. 
And yeah, I'm just so, so much grateful. Thank you so much to everyone. I think we are at the end. So we need to uh, stop here. Uh, see you on the next episode. And uh, yeah, stay, stay safe. Bye, everyone.